Now let's put up John, the Gospel of John, the first chapter. We're going to look at this one more time. Light bearer. He was beautiful and described as having so many, as so many, beautiful as so many um, jewels. And think the only problem is, is, and this happens a lot in church, that a lot of times the worship leaders are the go astray. Number one, they're, they've got a very heavy duty responsibility and they get attacked. There's an all out war against worship leaders. Number two, it is just a natural thing that when you are, have your, your responsibility is so important, you begin to think that you're important. And in a sense, you are. But when you start thinking like that, like that, the Bible says not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. And so they, thought, they start thinking that they are as important as their job, as their responsibility. And this is what happened to Lucifer. He began to think of himself. And not, not, he doesn't think of himself more than high, higher than God. He just thinks of himself equal with God. And, it, and this is what he tempted Adam and Eve with, or Eve with, is that you will be equal with God. And so that's a temptation. He did think of himself that he was higher than all the other angels. It does say that in Isaiah 14. But he thought of himself as equal with God. And so he was beautiful. And Christ is beautiful. God is beautiful. And uh, there were all these things about him. But, you know, uh, the word Vashti. We talked a little bit about Vashti last week in the book of Esther. The queen of, uh, uh, is Joe here? Joe here? Put your fingers over your, in your ears, Joe. I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce this. Ahasheru? Ahasheru? Nobody ever asked me that. How is your Harris, you know? I'm always singing one of those veggie tale. You guys watch veggie tales? Oh, where is my hairbrush? <laughs> where is my hairbrush? <laughs> that was the cucumber that was singing that. Larry the cucumber. That's a Christian. Veggie tales is a Christian. Well, I don't know. It's not. I guess it's animated. You know, it has tomatoes and veggies in it. So anyways, um, Vashti, the name Vashti means beautiful. Vashti was the queen of uh, all of uh, Persia, I guess is what it was. You know, I know, I know where it was. And uh, the king was, uh, we talked about this. He decided that he was going to throw this great, big, huge party for all. He had 170 provinces that was under him from, went from India all the way, and he describes all the, the land that he was uh, uh, king of. And uh, if you ever read the story of, uh, was it the 300 Spartans that held him off? That was a hazardous that has you, yes. Anyway, how's your hair? Um, and that's that. That was a true story. The Spartans fighting off in, in uh, the the uh, the army of Ahasuer. That one, Exerces. Exerces. He's also called Exerces. Well, he had this queen. It was not only her name meant beautiful. She was beautiful. And so he's throwing this great big hit. And it, his, the party is consummated. Uh, that lasts for. I, I said one time a year. It's actually six months. It lasted six months. And, uh, and at the end of those six months, there was this giant festival party where they just drank and ate as much as they want. And as, it was just a knock down, throw down shindig, you know. And uh, so at the, 
the consummation of all that is uh, Hashem uh, Exerces says, I want um, my queen, send for my queen to come to me and show off. I want to show off. I've already talked about all the achievements that I've made. I want to show off my queen now. And so they sent to get her and she said, no, I'm not going to come out there and show off for all those drunks and everybody else. And, you know, and so that didn't go over very well. And eventually he had her deposed and had all of her uh, things that she inherited that came with uh, her, her being queen taken away from her. I mean, basically she was exiled. And so they needed another queen. And they said, what do we do about a queen? So they said, decided to have a, a, a party. Now, if you read Esther, Esther is one great big parable of, that, of Christ and, and the devil and, and, and God. And you just got to understand that this is a metaphors that are being used. It's true story, but it still reveals Christ. Exerces, who, who's all that? He's a wicked king, but he represents Christ in this story. And Vashti would, is just one represent. Haman is another one. Uh, two people that represented uh, the devil. And so it was like Vashti was like, I'm equal with the king. You know, I don't have to go and show off to his friends to promote his glory. You see, and this is what happened with the devil. And so Esther, uh, they had a, a beauty contest and to see who would replace Vashti. And Esther came along. Now, Esther was a, a Jew. And this was a very important time because eventually there, this guy Haman gets a, gets a de- declaration against the Jews to have them all killed. And so she's going to save them. And in order to do that, and this is a long story. Read the whole, it's six chapters long. Just read it all, okay? One of the most famous quotes in that whole book is Esther 4.14. And that is when she is being encouraged to go before the king. And you see why that was so uh, such a risky business is because if you showed yourself to the king without him extending that scepter to you, then you would be put to death. And so by going in there uninvited, she was risking her life. And so her uncle says to her, if you don't go in there and appeal to, to the king for your people, he says, God will, God will figure out a way to take care of his people. He says, God will, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll bring in somebody else to take care of the people. But, he says, you, but as for you and me, we're, we're, we're goners. And so... She goes in and she dresses up into her queenly apparel and she goes in and he extends the scepter to her. Now I got a little quote from that, but uh, I made up a little quote of my own and I just did it last week. So this is a good one for you. Vashti was called to come before the king and she said no. Esther wasn't called, but she went before the king risking her life. Vashti was full of pride. Esther was doing it to save her people. It is better. Vashti not coming is a representation of some of God's people. How many of you know that we are called, the body of Christ is also called, the church is called the bride of Christ. Now, one of the couple of the titles of Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. If we are the bride, then we are what? A queen. We are together collectively, the body of Christ, the believers, collective believers all over the world from time on to time end. We are the bride of Christ. If we are the bride of Christ then we are called to come in and fellowship with God, like Rodney was saying, fellowshipping with God uh, in the presence of God and being called. We are like Vashti. And if we say, 
I'm not going to come. There are the church. I'm going to scold you now. And me, me too. Is the church is at a time period. And I'm not saying this is any more special than it was 50 years ago. But it's pretty special right now. And it's in a time period when God is calling us. Now, are we going to be like Vashti and say no? It is better to go when you are not called than to not go when you are called. That's my, that's my quote for you. Esther went when she was not called. Vashti did not go when she was called. Hello? Listen, it's, it, it's a risky business going before the king when you're not called. We got, we, we're not in jeopardy though. You know why? Because it says in Hebrews, the scepter is extended to us. The scepter of his kingdom is the right scepter. It says that in Hebrews, the first chapter. It's a quote from Psalm. But it says, the scepter of thy kingdom is the right scepter. Because thou lovest righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness. It was a messianic prophecy in the Psalms, but is quoted also in Hebrews 1, that we have the scepter extended to us. So we're not going to be guilty of coming without being called, but we can be guilty of not coming when we've been called. And it's a very serious matter. It's a very serious matter. John 1. Not 1 John 1, Gospel of John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him. Or, excuse me. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Do you see that? The light of men. He was the light of men. Lucifer's name, light bearer. That's what Lucifer means, light bearer. Okay, Jesus was the light. He wasn't bearing the light. He was the light. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There are other verses of scripture that talk about the same thing. It says, but the darkness, darkness hated light. Darkness hated light. And it says, it comprehended it not. We think comprehend, which means to us understand. But this has much more meaning into it because it actually means not only did it not understand it, it withstood it. It withstood against it. It was, but could not prevail. You see, it fought against the light, but it would not prevail. There was a man who sent from God, his name was, excuse me, sent from God, his name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men might, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. John was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. Jesus was the light. This was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was of the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. And I made reference, I think, a couple of weeks ago uh, about a sermon actually I heard from Ryan one time where he was talking about when Jesus was being beat, that he was being beat by whips that were made by him. Because he made everything. You know, he made the cows that made the leather that made the whips. He made the metal. He, he, He created all things were made by him, for him, through him and of him. Says in Colossians. He made the person that was beating him. He made the nails that were nailed into his hands, into his feet. He made everything. And yet, and this is perfect, he came unto his own. Back up, excuse me. Back up. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. I, I, I just want, I feel a challenge in that. I don't want to be something in God's creation that was made by him, but I did not know him. Hello? Do you understand what I'm saying there? 
And he said, well, well, you know, I can remember a time when I said, well, you need to get saved then, you know, if you don't know him. Well, I, here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I believe. When Jesus said that thou shalt love the Lord, the number one commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and on. He was saying, and then the second one is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He was saying something. He was saying, this is why I'm dying. This is what I'm dying for. I, you know, yes, Jesus came to save the lost. Okay? There, there are numbers of things that you can... He came to destroy the works of the devil. It says that. There, there is a list that things that he came to accomplish and came to do. One, one time we were at a full gospel businessman uh, uh, advance. And this guy did a computer study... What did Jesus come to do? And he came up with a one answer going by all the scriptures and everything that he came to bring in a kingdom. Right? He came to bring in a kingdom. Well, we know that. That he came to bring in a kingdom. And to fit with that, though, is see, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus was crucified for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead. And he is ascended into heaven. And he has done this to save us. But the what ending there is missing so much. Because Jesus didn't just to come to just didn't come to save the lost. No, he came to save the lost for a purpose. And it goes a lot further than your personal purpose that God has for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has a calling for your life. But all of the things, including the gifts of the Spirit, all of the things that God has done and given to mankind uh, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was for the purpose so that you and I, through Him, and by him and for him could love God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And to love one another is the second is like, namely this, to love one another. To love the neighbor as ourselves. That's why he died. He died so that, you, you know, we talked about the four spiritual laws, you know. The four spiritual laws. God, there is a God. God is, right? God is holy and God is God. And God is our creator. He created man. But he created man for a reason, for a purpose. And man sinned. So that now man is separated from God and cannot fulfill the first purpose, which was God is God. And God made us for himself. Everybody follow me so far? The third thing is... Because man has sinned and is separated from God, Jesus Christ died. There had to be a bridge. If you ever, you remember, they probably still have them. Chick publications, publications, chick, chick tracks, they call them. They give you, here, give you, I used to give out those chick tracks all the time, you know. And you get a chick track and it'll give you the four spiritual laws or what is also known as the Roman road because you have through the third chapter to the eighth chapter, a picture of what God is doing in the book of Romans. And so in that one part where it says man has sinned and is separated from God, you see man over here, kind of like, you know, the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Remember that Lazarus and the rich man, and the, the rich man died and went to <laughs> the burning hell and Lazarus went to paradise waiting for the resurrection and there was a great gulf between them. And the rich man would say, if you could just come over here and touch my tongue with a cup of, with a touch, drop of cold water. You know, uh, I would say, sorry, but it'll vaporize before I get there. You know, <laughs> it's pretty hot over there. You know, but there, there's this gulf between them. Well, when, when man, when Adam sinned, there became this gulf between God and man. And you could not get across it. 
But God wanted, created man for himself. But there is a gulf between them. So he came, he sent his son to die for us. And then you, if you see in one of those chick tracks, you see this bridge that goes across the gulf. And he, he is Christ. Jesus Christ is the bridge that goes across the gulf. And so he, he, he saved us so that we, the creation of God, could be what God created us to be in the first place, was to have fellowship with him and have communion with him. As, as, as Rodney was saying, you know, God wanted to fellowship and commune with us and love us and we love him. Now, before we could love him with all that our heart, mind, body, soul, and strength, the first thing we had to do is realize that he loved us first. You cannot outlove God. To go outlove God, you would have to give your son to die on the cross for him. You can't, you can't outlove God. He went as far as you can go, and we can just try to go, you know, as much as we can, as much as, well, he said, with all our hearts, with all our being. Didn't have to love him with all of his being, but with all our, but in order to do that, we have, no, we have to, we're loved of God. All right. So he created us. Now this Jesus with this bridge wasn't just to get our fire insurance paid up. It wasn't just to buy us a place out of hell. It wasn't just to get us out of hell and into heaven. I was reading uh, bits and pieces of Paradise Lost recently. Because, you know, one of the sayings that's in Paradise Lost is the devil says, I, it is better to rule in, or reign in hell than it is to serve in heaven. You know, that, that sounded like Lucifer, didn't it? And what we were talking about. He also said this is one of the quotes in there. The mind is a thing of its own and is able to make heaven out of hell. And hell out of heaven. Hmm. One person said this. If you know Christ as your Lord and your Savior. This earth is the closest you're ever going to get to hell. But if you don't know him. This is the closest you're ever going to get to heaven. So God, Jesus is this bridge. But the bridge wasn't just to get our fire insurance paid up. It wasn't to get us into heaven. It was to, so that we could fellowship with God. So that we could love him. That we, so Jesus came to save us for God, for himself. Put up first John, the first chapter. Then we're going to go something else real quick. First John chapter one, verse one. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. You know, this is, you know what John's talking about here? Jesus. With our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, manifested Jesus. That which we have seen, we have declared unto you. That you may also have, listen to this, why is he preaching eternal life? What is the purpose of eternal life? That you may, excuse me, that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ that that nails it right there Jesus died so that we could have fellowship with one another and fellowship with the father and fellowship with his son Jesus Christ if, you know we're missing it if we're if we're just happy to be saved you know I'm, I want you to be happy to be saved. There's that word just in there, and I didn't mean just as being justified. You get that just comes from justified. It's not just. It's not just. Hello? All right, now, when you get ready, I want you to put up John 21. There are, to come into the presence of God, Jesus Christ died so that we could do it. To come into the presence of God, just as it was 
in King Ahasuerus' time, there's a protocol, okay? You know, Esther didn't just go into the presence of God. She had to dress up in her queenly, kingly garment. Before you can come into the holy presence of God, you have to have robes of righteousness on. There's a parable when this king says, my son's getting married. And I want everybody to be invited in my kingdom. And he invites everybody. Nobody came. So he says, I want my armies to go out and kill them all. And he says, then I want you to go out to the highways and the byways and invite everybody in. And then they became to come. They started coming in from the highways. You know what that whole thing was about? It was about Jews and Gentiles. I mean, you know, there's more to it than just that. But that was about Jews and Gentiles because he's scolding them. He's scolding the Jews. All right. And then so they all become they all came in. And then there was this one guy that showed up not dressed up. He was, you know, he didn't dress up for the wedding. And he got thrown out and it was in trouble. You show up before God and you're not dressed up. You're going to be in trouble. And do you know how you know how you get dressed up? Well, you've got to know, believe, understand that, you know, when it says before you can please God, this is another thing what we're talking about, pleasing God. Before you can please God, you have to believe that he is God. It doesn't even say God there. It just says he is. He I am. He I am. That was great. Wasn't it? He is. He says, before you can please him, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. So to come into his presence, you have to be dressed up properly. And how do you get dressed up? By the blood of Jesus Christ washing over you and making your robes white as snow. Hello. Do you know when it says, come, Isaiah, come, uh, first chapter says, come. There is so much in the Bible about come. Come, Vashti. No. I, I, I just don't want to be. I'm tired of saying no. You understand? When I say, I'm not, what, am I, what am I talking about? The bride of Christ. This is a collective thing. You know how fast the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness? You know how fast they went? When they picked up stakes, the, the fire began to move or the pillar or the cloud began to move and they got everything together and they started following. And then half a mile, after they got half a mile in the distance, everybody else would be putting all their, bring, putting all their tents together and they would follow. And how fast did that cloud go? As slow as the slowest lamb. That's as fast as it went. But I'll tell you, you know how fast it didn't go? As slow as the one that didn't go. He says, come. The king says, come. (laughs) You know, first of all, I don't want to be one that doesn't come. But you know what else? I I don't want the church to be one that doesn't come. Hello? You understand what I'm saying? Because this is, you know, you know when Joshua and Caleb went into the the the, the promised land, and the, they went with 12, 12 spies, one for each tribe, and they're going to spy out the promised land, and they come, they were supposed to find out it was it a strong land, how were the people were, you know, did they, were they in fortress, all this stuff, and then. The, the thing is, is we're going to find out how we're going to go in and possess this land. The only thing is, 10 of the spies came back and they said all these things. It's a, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's got fortresses. It's got this. And they got giants in the land. You know what the giants were? They were, they were called the Nephilim. They were believed to be half angel and half man. Big, you know. Goliath was thought to be one of the Nephilims, you know. Okay, so there's giants in there. There's big people there, and they got giant places. And Joshua and Caleb says, "And we're we're ready to go. We are well able to take the land." And the ten spy says, "We are not able to take the land." And Moses says, "Hey, nobody, nobody asked you 
your opinion about whether you could take the land or not. All we were going to find out is how we're going to take the land. And guess what happened? They had to wander around the mountain there in the, in the wilderness for 40 years around and around and around the go. And do you know who had to go with them? Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> if the church is, if you, if you have this wonderful experience with God, so that you are not Vashti, but you are Esther. Or you are uh, the queen of Sheba, you know. I, I, I was, I'm going to do a sermon on what kind of queen are you? Are you Vashti or Esther? Are you Herodias? Or how about Jezebel? You know, there's some pretty good queens in the Bible. There's some pretty... Not the good ones. But if it's the church that is, he is bidding come, come. You can show up, but you're part of the church. We got to do this together. We can't just say, well, you, you, you go for that. That's not my thing. <laughs> okay. I'm having a wonderful time, but I got to bring you with me. Hello. All right. <clears throat> Want to throw one more thing out real quick. What has God called us to do? To love him with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our body, with all our emotions, with all our ac- academics, with all our Thoughts with everything we are supposed to love him. And then only then can by spending time with God is love. Only by spending time with God can you even come close to loving your neighbor as yourself. But if you spend time with God and become like him and be conformed to the image of Christ, you can go to the cross for your neighbor Hello? All right. So let's go. This is what happens. <clears throat> What's the number one goal? To love God, right? I want to show you something here that's very important. Because we're going to look at, get ready to put this up when I tell you. John chapter 21. Did I already tell you this? Yeah, I guess I did. It's up there. I was thinking, boy, he's... He's really in the spirit. John, John 21. Now, this is, this is what, well, I'll tell you, can I sing you a song? Yes. Don't say no. Yes. I can sing you a song. Yes. All right. This is an oldie but goodie. Okay. And uh, I'd, I'd like to invite you to follow along, but I'm thinking instead of singing it kind of like uh, uh, the old... Uh, the guy that wrote it and sang it. Uh, I'm probably going to do a little closer to Johnny Cash, which he didn't sing it, but I can do Johnny Cash. You know, the older Johnny Cash, by the way, the one that really had the rough voice, you know. But <clears throat> this is a song, and one, one reason I want to sing this is, as opposed to reading it, it'll take one fourth the amount of time. But practically, everything in this psalm, a song, is right on the money, okay? And it's a song that was written about this time period. So take that off just a minute, and I'll tell you when to start it up again. But it's a song by Don Francisco, and it goes like this. <clears throat> the gates and doors are barred, and all the windows fastened down. Spent the night in sleeplessness and rose at every sound. Half in hopeless sorrow, Half in fear the day would find the soldiers breaking through to drag us all away. Just before the sunrise, I heard something at the wall. The gate began to rattle. The voice began to call. Hurried to the window, looked down into the streets, expecting swords and torches. 
and the sound of soldiers' feet. There was no one there but Mary, so we went down to let her in. John stood there beside me as she told us where she had been. She said they've moved him in the night and none of us knows where. The stone's been rolled away and now his body isn't there. We both ran toward the garden, but John ran on ahead. We found the stone in the empty tomb just the way that Mary'd said. But the winding sheet they'd wrapped him in was just an empty shell. How or where they'd taken him was more than I could tell. Something strange had happened there, just what I did not know. John believed a miracle, but I just turned to go. Circumstance and speculation couldn't lift me very high. I'd seen him crucify him, then I saw him die. Back inside the house again, the guilt and anguish came. Everything I'd promised him just added to my shame. When at last there come the choices, I denied I knew his name. Even if he was alive, it wouldn't be the same. Suddenly the womb was filled with a strange and sweet perfume. Light which came from everywhere drove shadows from the room. Jesus stood before me with his arms held open wide. I fell down on my knees and just clung to him and cried. He raised me to my feet and as I looked into his eyes, love which shining out from him was sunlight from the sky. Guilt in my confusion disappeared in sweet release. And every fear I'd ever had just melted into peace. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are opened wide. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. He's alive and you're forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I love that song. Obviously, you don't, you know, memorize a song you don't love. I used to sing that song with Amy when she was like two years old. That goes back that far. She knew every word of that song. We'd sing it together. And it was sweet. It didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way. You know, most of the story is true. All but the part where Jesus raises Peter up. That didn't happen that way. Jesus comes back in the room. You know the story. He comes back in the room. Light, light was shining out. And Thomas wasn't there. And then he leaves. And Thomas says, except I put my finger in his whole you know, hand. And, and then he comes back when Thomas is not there. And Thomas shows up. But see, what didn't happen was a, a reconciliation between Peter and Jesus. That didn't happen. Didn't happen at that time. And it is absolutely necessary. Let's put this up. John 21. Now this is, John 20 is when, part of that story is when he came back into the room and Thomas with, the, with his finger in the hole and everything. Then he breathes on them to receive the Holy Spirit and then he commissions them. And then it says, then it says this, John 21 verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Tiberias is a small portion, a kind of an extension of the Sea of Galilee, but it's just as much the Sea of Galilee. In other translations, it might even say that. Again, to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise, Jesus showed himself. There were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Denimus, and, and not Thomas is there, by the way. Uh, called Didymus, his, his, his last name was Didus, Didymus, which Thomas actually means twin, and Didymus means like ditto, so he was a double twin. And then Nathaniel of, the, of Canaan of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, 
the two other of his disciples, the sons of James and John. He says, and also it was Peter, Peter says to them, I'll go fishing. You know, now I want to tell you something. This is absolutely essential that you understand this. He wasn't talking about, I need to take a little me, me, myself, you know, a little me time and go fishing for a while. This is every bit. This is exactly what he means there. It's over. He's gone. What happens now? I'm going to do what I was. That's what his job was. He was a fisherman. I'm going to go fishing. And they said unto him, we'll go with you. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. And when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. They had fished all night. Didn't catch a thing. He's standing on the shore. But they don't recognize him. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto the to them, children, have you any meat? Have you caught anything? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitudes of the fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John of the brothers of John and James, saith unto Peter, it is, it's the Lord. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded himself with a fisherman's coat, for he was naked. And he cast him into the sea and he swam ashore. The other disciples came in a little ship for it. They were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net of fishes. And soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals thereon, and a fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring the fish which you have caught. And Peter went, Simon Peter went up and drew the net of the full of, full of great fishes. You know the difference between this and the very first encounter that he had with him? The first encounter, they had fished all night and hadn't caught anything. And then Jesus says, can I use your boat to preach out of? Peter didn't want to do it, but he let him do it. And Jesus is fishing. He says, oh, now cast your net. Go out here a little in the deep, a little deeper here. Cast your net in the water. And, you know, Peter's thinking this. <laughs> You're a carpenter, not a fisherman. <laughs> I'm tired. I want to go home and have a beer. And you're telling me to cast this net. And he's like, oh boy, these religious nuts. (laughs) Now, in some of the movies, they actually portray this out of him. That he was very set back. And he would have been. He's tired. He wants to go home. He says, and what he says, and the first time he says, nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. And they do it. And the net was filled and it began to break. This time it doesn't break. There's an... There's a reason for that, okay? And it says, it was not yet broken. Next. Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. There's always that invitation, come and dine. When they first come in contact with Jesus, they said, where are you going? He says, well, where do you, where do you stay? He says, come and, come and see. You know, come and dine. Come, come with me. Come, all you who are laboring are heavy laden, Come. You know, there's an invitation constantly to come. Like Vashti was invited to come. Are you going to decline that? I don't, I don't want to. And none of the disciples does ask is the Lord because they knew it was the Lord. <coughs> Next verse. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and give to them and fish likewise. This was the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that, he was risen from the dead. Third time. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Now, I'm, well, first time I ever read that, I thought he was talking about the people, you know, the other disciples. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the fish. No, seriously, he says, do you love me more than that? I mean, what's the point? The point is, he was going to go fishing. <laughs> you see, he, he went to fishing Instead of going to serve to be what God said he was going to make him. Jesus said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And so he says, Jesus, Simon Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these fish? And Simon Peter says, yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. Now, before I go on, 
there are different words that are used in this passage for love. Different words that Jesus is using for love and different words for Peter that's using love. I'm not going to go into great teachings out of that, good teachings, but they weren't speaking Greek. They were speaking, you know, Arabic or Hebrew, Aramaic. You know, they were speaking a different language. And just for this particular time, I'm just going to say, think that it's the same word. Now, there's a teaching on that, that these two words are different. But I'm going to use it as the same word because we're going to find out in a minute that Peter thought that he said the same thing three times. So I'm just going to be easy on Peter and say, well, maybe they weren't speaking Greek. And only John picked up that it was different. See, John wrote this down. And there's a significance in that. There's a meaning in that. But we're going to skip that part for now. We're going to let this thing that he just said, just like like we're reading it. Do you love me? I love you. Do you love me? I love you. So it goes on. Son, son of Jonas, you love me more than these. He saith unto him, yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? He says, yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? And it's Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time. So you see that Peter thought it was the same thing. Okay? John was the one that picked up on it that it wasn't. All right? But he thinks it's the same thing. So let's be easy on Peter right now. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto you said, he says, lovest thou me more than these? And he says, he said unto him, Lord, you know all things. Right here, you don't always get when something is written what's transpiring, you know. Because right here is where you have Peter and Jesus reconciled. Now, they, he had already been filled with the Spirit. He saved, he, you know. But there was something that was blocking that Peter, Peter had denied Christ three times. And this was blocking his relationship that's why do you, do you love me? See, it, the whole thing is about it. Is about this issue. Do you love God? Do you? Do you love Jesus? You've got to have a... There are some things that's blocking in your spirit and in your life, in your mind sometimes, that's keeping you from doing that, from experiencing that. And what you have to have is a come to Jesus moment they, used to, they talk about. He says... Do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord. What does he say? You know all things. What's he saying there? And now he said that before, you know all things. But this time he's really coming. He says, Jesus, you know everything. You know when we first met that I, I didn't want to go with you. I didn't want to put my ship out there again. I was tired. You know that when you said throw the net over. I was thinking you're some kind of nutcase that nevertheless I'll do it anyways. You also know in Matthew 16 when you said, who do I, who do I say that I am? Who, who do men say that I am? And we said, some say Jeremiah, some say Isaiah, some say Elijah or one of the prophets. And he says, Jesus, you remember, you remember what you said to us? You said, who do you say that I am? And I jumped up and I said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, you remember what you said to me? Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed that to you. And that rock, I'm going to change your name from a pebble to a rock. So you know all those things. You know when I took out that sword. Read it in John 18. He took out a sword and he whacked off one of the men that was arresting him when he was going to go to the cross. He cut off his ear. Why? Because he was ready to die for Jesus. He was ready to defend him to the death. And he was ready to kill for him. And Jesus says, he that perishes, he that lives by the sword shall perish by the sword. And you know, you know everything. You know that I denied you three times. You know that that's why I was going to go back to the world, to what I was, was before. I was going to go back to fishing because I am not worthy. 
because I denied you three times. But you also know all things. You know that I love you. And see, that's, uh, sometimes we have these, God has these protocols. You know what one of the protocols is to get and come into the presence of God? Lord, forgive me as I forgive others. <laughs> If you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's not like God is say, well, I won't even talk to you. It's like you you rule yourself out. Hello? You cannot have unforgiveness in your heart and do what I've been talking about, going into the presence of God. You cannot have disappointed in your opinion the Lord many times and not have it straightened out. How do you get it straightened out? Lord, you know, you saw it. But you also know that I know that, that I love you. You know that I love you. You love me. I love you, Lord. Hello? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you. If, you. if this is quickened to your heart about something in your life that you need to get straight with God. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But sometimes there's self-condemnation. And the way to get rid of that is to know that God has forgiven you. He knows all things. He knows that you love him. Or maybe you don't. I don't know. Maybe you don't. It's a decision. It's like John Milton said. The mind is a thing of its own. It can make hell out of heaven or heaven out of hell. Wow, think about that. Have you made a hell for your life when God has a heaven for you? Or have you made heaven a hell? It's keeping you from being confronted with things that is keeping you from God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, that you had that healing moment with Peter. You love me, Peter? Yes, I do, Lord. Do you really? Yes, I do, Lord. Do you really? Yes, Lord. You know all things. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.